Y'all, I'm trying to tell you, in this, in this time, folks are like scrambling for new ideas and try to offer this like deep insight. Um, but family, we need to be we need to be rooted in God. We need to be reminded of who he is. And we need to be able to have a clear understanding of what wisdom is and how we should be able to apply wisdom during this season, during this challenging season. We don't want to be just responding off of impulses. We don't want to be uh, responding out of worry and fear. We want to be people that uh, exemplify the virtue of wisdom during this time. And so what I want to allow today is for God's word to encourage us and what it means to be wise, to understand what wisdom is, but then also how to practically live it out, how to apply it, how it can be manifested in our day and age. So if you would, I ask that you turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 25. 1 Samuel chapter 25. Now in the Old Testament, oftentimes you have a narrative. And so narrative isn't just one quick statement. Narrative is actually a story. And so I ask that you be patient with me as I try to cover a lot of ground somewhat quickly uh, because this story found in the 25th chapter of First Samuel uh, is a little long. But I think it's going to have a number of elements to help us understand what wisdom is and how we are to apply it. Even our, our let me pray for us. As we celebrate Jesus, Lord, thank you for your word. Allow this this uh, story from first Samuel to not um, simply be something we hear, but something that we can use in our lives today. Help us, God, to. To be wise because we serve and love you. Not because of our own uh, intellectual ability. Give us the uh, empowerment of the Holy Spirit that we might live out and practice wisdom as we come and go. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our brother Samuel is uh, a man who's walked with God from beginning to end. God used him in a variety of ways. He was a, a judge that helped fight against some enemies of the people of God. He was also a, a prophet that was used to help uh, select uh, the king in, in David. And while God used him in some great ways, unfortunately, Samuel's family was a bit corrupt. So we enter into this story in chapter 25 with Samuel passing away. Look with me in verse one. Now Samuel died and all Israel assembled and mourned for him and they buried him in his house of Ramah. Then David rose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. And there was a man in Moab whose business was in Carmel. The man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. He was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the man, now the name of the man was Nabal. And the name of his wife was Abigail. The woman was discerning and beautiful, but the man was harsh and badly behaved. He was a Calebite. This man named Nabal 
was a Calebite, and the Calebites had dough. They had wealth. They had animals. And so this man, Nabal, he, he kind of came into this wealth, kind of a, an heir, if you would, be of wealth. And so he comes into this story as a baller. He comes into this story financially wealthy, but it says something about his character that he behaved harshly and he behaved badly. And one thing I want you to understand about wisdom starting out is what wisdom is not. Wisdom is not guaranteed because you are wealthy. Or said another way, being wealthy is not the same thing as being wise. We know a lot, unfortunately, of people who are wealthy that make unwise decisions. Turn on TMZ and you will see a lot of wealthy people making unwise decisions. And so the Bible jumps in to give you one character, a character that seemingly from the world's perspective is really wise, but actually from God's perspective is not at all. And his name is Nabal. But it also gives you the name of his wife. Abigail. Abigail's name means God is joy. Continue with me in, um, in, in, in verse 4, where it says, David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep. So David sent 10 young men and David said to the young men, go up to Carmel and go to Nabal and greet him in my name. And thus you shall greet him. Peace to peace be to you and peace be to your house and peace be to all that you have. I hear that you have shearers. Now your shepherds have been with us and we did them no harm and they missed nothing at all. Uh, Excuse me. They missed nothing all the time. They were in Carmel. Ask your young men and they will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we come on a feast. Please give whatever you have at hand to your servants and to your son, David. So we already see that Nabal isn't wise. He's a he has great wealth, though. And what happens is David's crew protects his wealth. They make sure that nobody messes with his shepherds. Nobody messes with his sheep. And so David is coming saying, hey, you're about to start shearing. You're about to collect all this money, which you do twice a year in the spring and in the fall. You're about to collect all this money. I've been protecting your crew, making sure that y'all stay safe. Great. Let me get my cut. Choose what you think is going to be fair, but let me get my cut for protecting you. And then begin to begin to guess now, begin to look and see, all right, if I was a wise person and they blessed me like this, how would I respond? But if I was an evil person that was not wise, how would I respond? Look in verse nine. When David's young men came, they said all this to Nabal in the name of David and then waited. And Nabal answered David's servants, who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants these days who are breaking away from their masters. Shall I take bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shearers and give it to men who come from I don't know where? So David's young men turned away and came back and told him all this. They basically said, we went to him, King. We went to him, David. David's not king at this point yet. We went to him, David. And he turned us away. He, 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 he played us. He told us, who is y'all and who is David? 
doesn't seem the wisest, doesn't seem the, the, the best way to conduct yourself when someone's been protecting and making sure that your livelihood is succeeding, making sure your family is cared for, making sure that you are blessed. Continue with me in uh, verse 13. And David said to his men, every man strap on his sword. And every man of them strapped on his sword. David also strapped on his sword. And about 400 men went up after David, while 200 remained with the baggage. Basically, David said, oh, that's how he responded. Load up, homies. Let's do this. So all the entire crew is getting ready to go respond to Nabal because of his lack of wisdom, because of his foolishness, because of his unhealthy behavior. Actually, Nabal's name means foolish. Like, could could you imagine every day, every time you went somewhere, somebody being like, hey, big dummy. Every time you go somewhere, that's the name they call you, dummy, like, like, like. Like that is what is associated with his name. And so while he has wealth that kind of counters that and makes him seem worldly wise. Every time somebody says his name, he's being reminded of his foolish ways. Continue with me. After they strap up in verse 14. Because now we're going to see a bit of a shift take place. God's going to introduce another character that was mentioned before. And we begin to see this contrast between a lack of wisdom and being unwise with wisdom. Verse 14, but one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to greet our master and he railed at them. Yet the men were very good to us and we suffered no harm and we did not miss anything when we were in the fields as long as we went with them. They were a wall, a wall to us both night and by day, all the while we were with them keeping the sheep. Now, therefore, know this and consider what you should do for harm is determined against for harm is determined against our master and against all his house. And he is such a worthless man that no one can speak to him. Family Abigail's name is totally contrasted with that of Nabal. Nabal was considered foolish. Her name means joy of the Lord or God is joy. And so the people come to her knowing that she is a woman of virtue knowing that she is a woman that that reveres God. Actually, uh, if you were to look at Psalm 111, verse 10, the, the definition of wisdom is this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So this woman whose name means God is joy, worships, loves and believes in God. And so her wisdom starts from being rooted, from being a part of her foundation, from being a part of her very being in that. She fears the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. 
J.R. Packer says wisdom like this. He defines it like this. He says wisdom is the power to see and the inclination to choose the best and highest goal together with the surest means of attaining it. The ability to choose the best and highest goal with the surest way of attaining it. Wisdom is one of those things that, uh, that, that is not okay to just simply be cerebral. Wisdom should be applied, it should be used, and it should be expressed through action. You, you ever been like a part of a group or a part of a team and y'all are like working hard. You're trying to figure out something and it's like wrecking your brain and the whole team is working hard and you finally finish. You finally produce what it is that, that's being required of you. And when you give it in, whether it's a project or whether it's a, a challenge of some sort, you turn in, but you know it's just, it's just not what you guys were fully going for, but you did your best. And then somebody on the team looks and says, hey, we probably should have just done this. And the whole team responds like, dude, why didn't you, why didn't you say that? That's perfect. Like, like, like wisdom that is not actually applied or moved with action or expressed is, is, is kind of foolish. Doesn't, it doesn't serve a, a true purpose. If your fear of the Lord doesn't move you to action, move you to actually uh, reflect your behavior as one that gives reverence and honor to God, it's, it's kind of just head knowledge. And so the people actually come to her knowing we are in some drama. This dude then put us in a mess. Now our lives might be at stake. Who do we go to to find help? Who do we go to to maybe be able to make a change? Who do we go to that can do something about this and is wise? We go on to, we go on to Abigail. We, we go on to Abigail. Abigail, a woman who in this culture, who you, you wouldn't run to. If you want someone to do something about it, if you want somebody to solve a problem at the scale that of David getting involved, you don't usually run to the woman. I love that God continues to counter culture and to flip culture on its head and say, actually, in this story, you're going to find the wise person be the sister. You're going to see a, a, a whole community of men who are now in place of fear go to this sister who has a wise approach to solving this problem. Wisdom. It's got to be applied. It's got to be used. It's got to be expressed through action. Continue with me in verse 18. Then Abigail made haste and 200 loaves and two skins of wine and five sheep already prepared and five seers of parched grain and 100 clusters of raisins and 200 cakes of figs and laid them on donkeys. And she said to her young men, go on before me. Behold, I come after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. Sometimes wisdom is expressed by you being a blessing to someone before you even even speak a word. Sometimes wisdom is, is being a blessing to someone before you even speak a word. Look at look at what the sister does. 
she tells her crew, look, I want y'all to get in the kitchen, okay? I'm, I'm about to dr have you drive ahead of me in the little Debbie truck. I want you to make the ho-hos. I want you to make the Swiss rolls. I want you to make the honey buns. I want you to make the zebra cakes. And I want you to make the star crunches. She get everything lined up to get ready to be a blessing to these men. These men. These men who've just been told by David, mount up. Get ready. We about to go slay some people. And she sends before them. Before she meets them, she sends them food, delightful food, food that'll kind of calm an angry man, food that'll give you a little bit of a fix because we know what, what, what some raisins will do with a little bit of sugar in them, you know, food that'll kind of calm the situation before she even arises. She sends the the the, the, the crew before her, and it's a, it's a great encouragement of, of us being a blessing before you even speak a word. I've, I've had this happen to me where uh, we, we may have had a situation on a, on a block with a, with a neighbor, but because our neighbors at times will shovel one another's driveways, Shovel one another's walkways. See that somebody might be out of town and pull their garbage backwards and forwards. Because of these kind of acts of, of kindness and acts of service and being wise enough to love people and care for them. When a situation does arise, there's almost like some 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 uh, emotional investment that's happened that calms it already. That, that helps you take what could be misunderstood down a level. Allow your wisdom to be a blessing to others, maybe before you speak. Even if you, if you just paused and said, man, all right, I'm in the midst of this tension. I'm in the midst of this drama. I'm in the midst of a situation with this person. What would bless this person and let them know that I'm for them? I think, I think, I think, Sometimes the wise thing to do is to simply ask, Lord, how can I care for them? Not necessarily be right. Yes, I have the way I feel. I have my perspective. I have the whole nine. But what's something that's going to help them be able to be calmed and receive the message that I'm trying to give? Sister Abigail sent some star crunches. <laughs> I, I, I love that. I love that posture of, of being a bit. I, I love her, the wisdom that she used to allow them to go before her before she even arrived. Continue with me. Because she sends something before her, but next she's going to try to use her, her words to, to back up her act of kindness, her act of blessing. Verse 20. And as she rode on the donkey and came down under cover of the mountain, behold, David and his men came down toward her and she met them. Now, David had said, surely in vain have I guarded all that this fellow has in the wilderness so that nothing was missed out of all that belonged to him. And he has returned me evil for good. God, do so to the enemies of David, uh, God, do so to the enemies of David 
and more also, if by mourning I leave so much as one male of all who belong to him. When Abigail saw David, she hurried and got down from the donkey, fell before David on her face and bowed to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, on me alone, my Lord, be the guilt. Please let your servant speak in your ears and hear the words of your servant. Let not my Lord regard this worthless fellow Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name and folly is with him. But I, your servant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Now then, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, because the Lord has restrained you from the blood, guilt and from saving with your own hand. Now then, let your enemies and those who seek to do evil to my Lord be as Nabal. Y'all catch that? She kind of said, hey, let the the folks that's going against you be foolish. And now let this present that your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespasses of your servant for your Lord, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord and evil shall not be found in you. So as long as you live. If men rise up to pursue you and to seek your life, the Lord, the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living in the care of the Lord, your God and the lives of your enemies. He shall sling out as from the hollow of a sling. And when the Lord has done to my Lord, according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you prince over Israel, my Lord shall have no cause of grief or pains or conscience for having shed blood without cause or for my Lord without salvation himself. And when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your servant. This sister rolls up, has something go before him, says, I want you to share this with all of your men that they might be blessed. But the thing I want to share with you, David, is an encouraging word. I know you are coming angry. I know you are coming mad. I know you are coming ready and you are justified even in your acts of vengeance because Nabal has played you. But for one second, don't see Nabal, see me. And as you see me, see me celebrating and encouraging you. I'm encouraging you that you the man that God chose. I'm encouraging you that if anybody try to come against you, David, let them fall. Let them be foolish. I'm encouraging you. Because you are going to have something that lives on and on and on. An advancing of God's eternal kingdom. You know, it is quite interesting how amazingly uh, powerful our words of encouragement can be. Wisdom is saying the right thing. At the right time. In Proverbs 15, 23, it says to make an apt answer is a joy to man, a word in season, how good it is. Basically saying, hey, when a person gives you the right statement at the right time, it like enlivens your spirit. It gives you joy. It puffs you up and makes you feel good in the Lord. And so this sister says the right word. She shows uh, an apologetic spirit for the actions that have harmed David. 
she shows an acknowledgement of, of God using him and going to use him in the future. She shows a desire for him to be protected. Why does this matter? It matters because we find ourselves in these kind of Abigail David moments daily. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching myself right now because um, we, we, we in our home, you know what I'm saying? And our home is, uh, I'm thankful for our home. You know, I, I love our home. Sometimes I venture around and look at other places, but I, I love other places in our zip code. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I love, I love our house. And our house is 1,900 square feet. But right now, in this season, our house feel like 19 square feet. Come on, families. you Come on. And so, like, what, I, what I'm seeing is um, I'm seeing... Like, like me, uh, uh, trying to make sure I say this right, because I don't want to get in trouble when I get home. <laughs> um, I'm seeing how drama is happening in our home. I'm seeing how, how my children are beefing at times, and me and my wife are beefing at times, and then we unify beef with the kids at times, and I'm seeing all this take place, and, and what I'm realizing as I pause and I look back on this, that I missed a bunch of, a bunch of Abigail moments. Like, I've, I've, I've missed trying to enter into conversation and just say, how could I bless this person before we start this? How can my wife know that I'm that I'm for her? What is something that I could demonstrate? And this is not simply for sacrificial personal gain, but it's actually for the sake of saying, Lord, actually, I believe it is wise to consider her before I consider myself. It is wise for me to to not think just because I'm the breadwinner that that I'm the wisest in the household on all matters. It is wise for me to try to ask when is the appropriate time for me to say the word that might be one of encouragement or the word that might be one of challenge? Or do I just want to get it off of my chest? I've looked back and I've seen based on the, the, the kind of cooking well, what's that, a slow cooker we got in the house right now? It just feels like all of our family is having some joyous moments when we're laughing and kicking it together. But there's also some slow cooking moments of like tension that I think God wants us to use wisdom in. Those things are erupting not simply in our homes. It's happening virtually as we connect with, with our coworkers. People are sending emails with some weird undertones lately. Folks got some, some, some passive-aggressive tendencies coming out in emails lately. And it's like, hold up. Even, even if I am justified like David and I have the right to be angry because of the way you just treated me, I could come about this with wisdom, like Abigail, with the hope of seeing everybody in my household loved, well, cared for, and saved. So wisdom is saying the right thing at the right time. 
it's, it's, it's kind of crazy in my house right now. When I'm talking to y'all right here, I feel like if I could like number my my words, my speech, I can probably get like, let's say like uh, 150 words in a minute. You know, I'm just speaking quickly. It just comes off and it's quick. But like when I'm at home and I'm trying to apply this, I feel like I'm doing like four words a minute. Because to speak with wisdom, you can't just impulsively come back, come back. You got to be like. I just want you to know. I do love you. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like it take it takes some some some. uh, As 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 Abigail's first characteristic is mentioned, a woman of discernment. Like it takes discernment. As you walk out this wisdom in action, you can't just be impulsive. And so maybe you slow down the pace by which you are trying to deliver the proper word, the apt word, the timely word. Maybe you consider that a little bit more so that under the Holy Spirit guidance it's right on point. Never forget. uh, Yeah. Yeah. I'll share that in a minute. as, As we reflect later on Nabal and kind of how Abby speaks to him. I'll never forget a situation that we were in. Continue with me at verse 32. And David said to Abigail, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet. Blessed be your discretion and blessed be you who have kept me this day from blood guilt and from working salvation with my own hand. For as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, who has restrained me from hurting you, unless you have hurried and come to me truly by morning, there had not been left to Nabal so much as one male. Basically, if you didn't hurry up and come, it was about to be curtains in the morning. Then David received from her hand what she had brought him. And he said to her, go up in peace to your house. See I have obeyed your voice and I have granted your petition. David responded one way to the foolish actions of Nabal. But another way to the godly actions of Abigail. Her wisdom being used by God brought forth an entire different change for the experiences of these men. These men who, by the way, were just, uh, in a way, innocent bystanders of Nabal's foolishness. We all have opportunities to uh, allow our wisdom to be a blessing to others. Just because we we might be self-quarantining right now doesn't mean you stop having an opportunity to allow your wisdom to bless your household, to bless your coworkers, to bless your neighbors. But but it but it but it does take patience. Look with me at verse 36. And Abigail came to Nabal and behold, he was holding a feast in his house like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry uh, within him, for he was very drunk. So she told him nothing at all until the morning light in the morning when the wine had gone out of Nabal. His wife told him these things and his heart died within him and he became as a stone. 
And about 10 days later, the Lord struck Nabal and he died. It's a, uh, it, it is, like we, I, we try to, I, I try to lift up the, the theme that I'm running with the whole time, and that is one of wisdom. Um, and it is unfortunate that this sister chose to marry a person who was uh, foolish and unite with him. Um, and even though this man was foolish and sinful, uh, it still is sad to see the effects of sin and see that um, this sister lost her husband. Um, we, we don't know exactly what the relationship was like, but I don't want to gloss over when people die, uh, even if part of the reason that that happens is due to their own uh, lack of wisdom. But, but notice how Abigail deals with him. She just came kind of off of a mountaintop experience. She just got hype. Uh, the, 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 the men who know they need to have somebody respond, they come to her at this point of wisdom. She goes out, blesses and cares for the men of David, says this message that encourages David and changes his heart, changes his perspective, has him shift from being right about to slaughter the whole crew to giving them all a pass. And she walks in, and just as you're ready to go tell your boo what happened, you see him drunk, drunk on his face. And I love that she didn't try to say, let me, let me force the issue. Let me, you need, no, wake up. Listen, you got to know what I just saved us from. You got to know what just happened. You got to, I'll just wait till the morning. I'll just wait till the morning. It's great wisdom, great wisdom in being patient. Augustine says patience is the companion of wisdom. There's great wisdom in you choosing the right time to say something, but also trusting that God's hand is on it and you can wait until that time arises. She doesn't try to force the issue. She allows with wisdom, patience to to guide when she should say something. And look at the impact that it has. Actually, when she waits, it has a, 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 a greater impact and he's actually able to hear her in the morning. I think that um, I, I learned some lessons by reading God's word and listening to some older people, but I, I don't think the interpretation that I was receiving was accurate. I remember people used to say, uh, well, God's word says, you never let the sun go down on your anger. So as a couple, you should never go to sleep mad. Now, now I, I do believe that in the sense that mad should not be I go to sleep and, and I, I have not been able to draw myself back to Christ on behalf of my spouse. I do not believe that we should not ever go to bed differing, arguing, not on the same page. Because what ended up happening was because I'm trying not to allow 
the, the sun to set and, and us to go to sleep mad, we up at 2.30 in the morning arguing about who left out the dishes. We, we arguing over something, and it actually probably started as something small, but because we both are getting more and more tired, more and more exhausted, and, and it's bubbling over, and now at 2 in the morning, we, 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 what are we even arguing about? See, sometimes patience means holding out. I do believe that there is no argument that I have that should hinder me from being able to do two things. One, pray for my spouse and with my spouse. And two, say I love you. I don't agree. You know you left that spoon out, but we're going to pray. And I love you. Why am I bringing up that? And this, and this is not to like use marriage as the ultimate example of how to be wise. I'm, I'm bringing it up because sometimes patience allows us to glorify God. And sometimes patience means you need to pause, take a nap, come back and talk again later, pause, go to sleep. Pause and trust that the timing in which God will allow you to hear one another is going to come. And sometimes it means one of you, never me, one of you needs a heart change. Wife's going to kill me when I get home. Uh, I, I, I remember I remember when we, uh, I, I was a part of a group. And the group of men were like having this big, deep debate. And it was like a group with with one person who primarily had one position and the rest of the group had another position. And and this was like a, a just a deep conversation. You know, it was one of those conversations where we're like challenging one another on character. Um, and as each of us like us, you know, trying to say something to the person and then uh the person doesn't receive it, so another person tries to say it another way. Another person, and before you know it, like it comes to this one guy that's just silent. And you're like, hey, what do you think? And he says something that like blew me away. Because I'm like, okay, get him. Get him. Let's get him. All right, let's get him. All right, I, 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 thought, I thought this would work. I thought this would get through. I thought, I thought he would listen. I thought, and he just said like, Man, I don't, I don't think right now is the best time for me to share because I just, don't, I just don't think you can receive it. Drop the mic. It's like, boom. Yeah. I, I probably, I probably should have looked and saw that if I, if, if I chose to be patient and not try to force the agenda based on, on, on my approach, on my schedule and really looked at where this person was, it would have been wise to see that that spiritually they weren't able to handle it in that moment. And so maybe I should wait till the morning. You know, the 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 beautiful thing about wisdom is that it has to be accompanied by patience. And as we go throughout our days with our families, don't don't get me wrong, I we are being stretched truly in our patience but allow God 
to be the one who empowers us to be stretched even further for his namesake so that the family will experience wisdom, so that your coworkers will experience wisdom, so that your friends and loved ones will experience wisdom. We're going to get ready to close out, y'all. Go with me to verse 39. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, blessed be the Lord who has avenged the insult I received at the hand of Nabal and has kept back his servant from wrongdoing. The Lord has returned the evil of Nabal on his own head. Then David sent and spoke to Abigail to take her as his wife. When the servants of David came to Abigail at Carmel, they said to her, David has sent us to you to take you to him as his wife. And she rose and bowed with her face to the ground and said, Behold, your handmaid is a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. And Abigail hurried and rose and mounted the donkey and her five young women attended her. And she followed the messengers of David and became his wife. And David also took uh, Ahinoam of Jezreel and both of them became his wives. Saul had given Michal, his daughter, David's wife, to Palti, the son of Lashish, who was uh, of Gilliam family. I'm not going to explain all of the last verse. Yes, we know that God ultimately did, did only desire for marriage to be between um, a man and a woman, not a man and many women. Um, and that became more finally instituted later. But the, the, the goal of this verse is for us all to see um, that 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 God's redemptive hand was upon this entire situation. And though Abigail's wisdom uh, was able to save and care for many, uh, it ultimately, and maybe in addition to her physical beauty, is, is an attractive, virtuous trait that attracted David to her. And so we, we, we celebrate uh, the, the beauty of wisdom for all people. But we also want to make sure uh, that we realize that wisdom is allowing is, is it. Abigail approached David and did two things that I think continue to allow us to understand the fullness of wisdom. Look back with me in verse, I think it's 23. She comes humble. Look at how she approaches David when she meets him. She says uh, she got down from the donkey, fell before David on her face and bowed to the ground, fell at his feet. On me alone, my Lord, be the guilt. So she she's on recognition, has honor, acknowledges that this guy is a man of power and he has uh, the ability to to take out all the men that are working for her husband. And she comes humbly before him. I think it's very wise of us to be humble as we approach others. Even those who may have beef with us, even those who may have drama with us, even those who might not be wanting to do their homework. We still got to be humble, y'all. We still got to know that there's a posture that we should be that we should be exemplifying. But but I want you to see this last thing, because it is a a 
a beautiful celebration of Jesus and a beautiful pointing towards Christ as we see it expressed here in the Old Testament. Notice what she says in verse 24. On me alone, my Lord, be the guilt. Please let your servant speak in your ears and hear the words of your servant. She steps in and desires to intercede. That means steps in the situation of, steps in the place of her husband Nabal and says, David, let what he did be on my shoulders. Humbly, let what he did be on me. It is a, uh, uh, I think it's a great example, and I love that the Bible continues to have chapters like this where we see not only the discerning aspect of this woman, not only the wise aspect of this woman, we also see the strength of this woman to enter into this situation that has the potential of David saying, cool, well, if you want all the guilt, if Nabal was here, I would kill him. I'm going to kill you. Like, like she does not know how this is going to go. But yet she is strong and steps in on behalf of all of the men who are running crazy, thinking that their demise is, is, is certainly imminent. His sister steps in. She intercedes on their behalf. I'm a, uh, I'm a guy that does not like junk. I don't, I don't really like dirt. I don't like, I don't like garbage. And uh, over time, in a house of a lot of people, like the recycling start adding up. And the, the garbage start adding up and I'm cheap. So don't get me wrong. Like I'd be like stepping on the bag of the garbage and I'll like keep refilling that boy so I can get the last little old noodle in there. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm, a, I'm not just throwing out bags, but like the garbage starts to fill and the recycling and then the boxes and the broken games and the recycling and the boxes and the, and the recycling. Recycling be nasty. Um, and so all this stuff starts to fill and I just like get to a point where I just take it all out. I'm, 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 I'm done. I, I'm, I'm just getting it all out. I got to clear house. I got to have my home clean again. And there's nothing for me like Fridays on trash day. And ooh, don't let it be a bulk pickup day, boy. I feel like I just got zestfully clean, you know. Um, but but what, what, if you can take that image of being surrounded by trash. Imagine God, holy, in the purest white linen that you can imagine, being surrounded by the sin of our lives, which is like rubbish. And, and it comes to a point where this God looks and says, I must deal with this. I must respond to this trash. I must deal with this sin that is present around my holy nature. And just as what he could have done is about to take place, just as as his 
total justification and being able to go cleanse the house and see all of our sin, all of ourselves be actually rid of his presence and experience his wrath of cleaning house, Jesus steps in and says, I, I got it. I got it. I, I, I know they did it. I know they were foolish. I know that they behaved in ways where their selfish behavior was one that created all this stuff. But you know what? I'm going to intercede on their behalf, Father, and I'll, I'll take their punishment. I'll, I'll, I'll cleanse them. I will take out and remove all the rubbish, and I will also not simply take their sin away. I will give them myself so that now they get to remain in your presence, but they get to remain new. And clean. You see, Abigail is a is a prototype to help us understand what it means for Jesus to intercede on your behalf. You was nayballing out here getting it. Foolish. Thinking that your worldly ways was actually wise. And Jesus comes along and changes your whole paradigm, takes us from dead to alive. At least he offers it unto us. And the question is, will you accept? Will you accept that he desires to clean house? Will you accept that he desires to make you clean so that you can dwell in his presence? Will you accept That this God wants to love you and know you, but you cannot have it both ways. You cannot be fully foolish, foolish and fully wise. You cannot try to live both lives. You can try, but you're only interacting with wisdom as knowledge, not wisdom as true application. So my prayer as we talk today, as we encourage you today, is that you would walk fully in the wisdom that God gives and allow you to be able to understand that true wisdom is knowing that Jesus has interceded on your behalf and he causes us, calls us, equips us, empowers us to go intercede on the behalf of others. Yeah, you're supposed to step in with means of justice. Yeah, you're supposed to step in with means of prayer. You're supposed to be humbly like our sister Abigail, coming before the God of gods, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, saying, I know we jacked up. I know my family members jacked up. I know my spouse and I are not seeing eye to eye. I know, Lord, that these kids is racking me crazy. I know, I know, I know, I know. But God, you can intercede in all these situations. This is what it means to be wise, family. We don't start living out wisdom once things change in the culture. Once we get back outside of our houses, we can't wait till I get to live out my spirituality then. We got opportunities every day, every moment, right now. Let's be reminded of of what wisdom is. That it's not based on on wealth. That is, it is fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. 
And, and following his precepts allows us to see that, that wisdom applied, used, and expressed through action. That wisdom is saying the right thing at the right time, but also trusting God and being patient. And wisdom is, is an awareness of, of what you should and should not do. Wisdom is being humble. It's, it's coming before God and sometimes coming before one another with a posture of, of, of honoring and celebrating someone else. And lastly, wisdom is allowing God to intercede, allowing Jesus to intercede in your life for your eternal salvation, but also equipping you and empowering you to intercede for others. Let's pray together. Lord, we are grateful that your wisdom is placed within us. That we don't have to work for it. It's not how smooth and how great we are. It's not something we were born with, but that your spirit empowers us and gives us your wisdom. We are grateful, Lord, that our wisdom is not based on our checkbook. It's not based on our our family history. It's not based on the city we live in. It's not based on how nice our homes are, our jobs, our titles, anything. Our wisdom is based on our fear of you, and we love you and revere you as a God who's in control of everything. Now, God, let us walk in the wisdom that you provide. As daily, we are having challenges and are trying to adjust, Father, to this new rhythm. It is tough at times. But let us Abigail that thing. Let us, with wisdom, Lord, be used by you that we might be constantly reminded of Jesus, what you took on for our sake, and that would empower us and encourage us uh, to intercede for others. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.